0: This got to move pretty fast. Second Samuel chapter twelve. Second Samuel chapter twelve. Let me make sure I've got this microphone turned back on here. Uh, please rem- remember to pray. Uh, we've got the Cummins miracle. He's really—I'm amazed. He's looking looking good. Well, not looking good, but he—he's better. You caught that, didn't you? But he's he really does. I mean, looks looks good. I was I was thrilled when I saw him this morning. Then uh, the uh, Hoppers having surgery on Wednesday. Mrs. Hansen is is uh, is still I think struggling with a lot of things right now, um, and so uh, especially this week. Uh, anybody that can give a call, text something, and and Joe Beth, we just we got to run out there. Um, and then, um, uh, I'm just trying to, and brother Bob, brother Bob, uh, Alan, we need to be praying for him. I think he may be going to the doctor tomorrow, maybe get some answers. And so, um, all right. And don't anybody tell him how the Lord's supper went tonight. So, <laughs> all right. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse one, it says, the Lord sent Nathan unto David and he came unto him and said unto him. There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nursed up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, It he did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his own bosom, and it was unto him as a daughter. And there came travelers unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. And uh, I'm going to... Stop right there, but just because of time, I had some more verses I'm going to read, but I'm going to stop there. Uh, Nathan just confronts David and says, "Thou art the man." Then, if you come down to, uh, let's see, uh, verse twelve. Look at verse twelve. It says, "For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel." And that's Nathan telling David, you know, you you did all this sin, the, the sin of. Uh, the sin with Bathsheba, the sin of uh, the murder of Uriah, the Hittite, you did it all secretly. He said, but I'm going to do this before all of Israel. So he says, what I'm doing, I'm announcing, I'm letting everybody know. And and my personal belief is David's not alone while Nathan is saying this to him. Uh, I believe there's people all around while Nathan's saying this to him. Uh, So he said, but verse 13, and David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, uh, the Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. And so again, it goes into more, but, but I just want you to understand the, re- the real important thing is, is that Nathan said, everybody's going to know about your sin now. You know, I'm not confronting you, it's going to be open. You did all this a secret, but I'm letting it out to everybody. And so then I want you, if you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to turn or Mark, John chapter 21, verse seven, just going to read that one verse. It says, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he girt his fishers coat unto him for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Again, we could read a lot more verses. Of course, Peter's going to he casts himself in the sea. He swims to shore to meet Jesus. And, um, and so uh, what I'm going to be preaching about tonight, and I'm going to have to do it very quickly, and, and uh, is this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to preach on how to come back to God. How to come back to God. Now this may, somebody might right now be starting to struggle, somebody that's not even here tonight, May get this on on the as we record it, and maybe they'll hear it. I think it goes onto the internet, onto our onto our, our uh, uh, what do you call it website. There you go. I'm I'm up on all this technology uh, on our website, but I'm not sure. And I'm and I, and it's not to point fingers at anybody. Uh, actually, for the everybody in here, this is really more of preventative medicine. Uh, the truth is, here's the problem. That we face all of us go through a roller coaster of spiritual life I'd love to say you know what I got saved and ever since then I've been doing this Uh, but that's not what happened and that's not what does happen we we kind of and what we hope that in our Christian life is that our we will decrease our valleys that we won't go down so far we may drop a little bit, you know, we recover really fast. And so uh, what I'm talking about, how to come back to God, when you started drifting away to God, from God, how to come back to God, I'll have a word of prayer and i get started. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I pray that you give me clarity of mind and strength of body here to 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 relay exactly what needs to be said and the way it needs to be said. Dear Lord, I, I want to be a help and a blessing to somebody. Lord, I pray, I pray that nobody, I, I wish that nobody in here would, would ever, Uh, have to use any of this, that they would never drift away, that I would never drift away. But dear God, uh, I know that there's an evil one out there to attack us. I know there's the world of flesh, the devil that's trying to take us down. And I know that that we're in a constant battle for our spiritual lives, every moment of our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the truth and that maybe this might be written someplace or this might be left in the mind some point or two in the mind of someone when they start to struggle, that they might revert back to it and think about it, that it might be a helping blessing. So Holy Spirit of God, I healed myself today and I ask you, please, please guide me and direct me in in the few minutes that we have in Jesus' name, amen. So number one, we're just going to jump right into it. Number one. Uh, if you to come back to God if you've started to drift away from God how do I come back if it ever happens to you how do I come back well first of all refuse to let what others think of you stop you refuse to let what others think of you stop you you see when you stray away from God we never we really we don't stray away to be alone that almost never happens we stray away to other people, or we stray away with other people. And so those who are, are with, uh, uh, who we are with always know that we're turning from God. Now, I want you to understand, I don't care how worldly they are. When we turn away from God and we get with them, can I tell you something? They know that you're straying away. They really do. They know it. And, and, and the, my contention is this, that, that really many times they don't want you to. You know, the truth is, they may test you, they may draw you, they may tempt you, they may try to do anything, but the truth is, what they're really wanting to see, if, if it could really come out of their heart, they're wanting to see, they want it to be real in somebody somewhere. They really do. They, they just, look, uh, I, I, I just so many times, people will just try to get you off track, and as soon as you do, they look at you with eyes of disappointment. You know, you you tempted me in every way you could and I finally stepped that way and you look at me and goes, can't believe it. You know why? Because they really want somebody to be real. They want it to be real to someone somewhere. And so they may be the ones encouraging it, but I think often they truly wish we would be real and do what they wish they could be. You see, they, they want it to be real, and they're looking for somebody that would really be that example that is real. And, and I use these two passages of Scripture because David's murder was known by Joab, and after David took Bathsheba, he knew why. So it wasn't like David, it wasn't unknown. Joab knew exactly that he, that he had murdered Uriah. Joab knew the orders were to murder Uriah, so David's not out here alone. Peter had led his friends to leave God, but now they are all following him back to Christ. So I'm I, I telling you, even though they left with him, even though he led them away, they they came back with him. But but I want you to understand, uh, either one of these situations could have changed drastically if either one of these men had started worrying about uh, you know, what other people think about them. And David, I'm getting ahead of myself, but David really, I mean, I think it was announced publicly for David to eventually say, okay, it was me. I have sinned. He has to do that in front of everybody. And so, um, it's, it, if if they had not been willing to, if Peter had not been willing to jump in the water uh, because of the people who are looking on, what are they going to think now? I'm the one that took them away and now, I'm the guy jumping in the water. Uh, It's a lot of confusion. Number two is this. Realize you're not coming back. Get this statement now. Realize you're not coming back to what you were before you turned from God, for what you were led you to turn from God. Can you grasp that one? I hope you can, if it makes sense. You're not coming back to what you were when you turned away from God, because what you were led you to turn from God. So behind every tragedy, and I've said this for so many times already, but behind every tragedy of human character is a process of wicked thinking. It may not be traditional wicked thinking that may one day cause you to drift away from God, but it will be a process of discouraged thinking or a process of discontent thinking or a process of disappointment thinking or a process of desire thinking something that's going to take you away from God. But that process didn't, that process began long before the the actual act of turning away. You okay, Jobe? All right. She's looking at me very, hmm. What she's saying is, that doesn't seem like the way I wrote it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Where you are when you finally realize you are away from God is really not the place that you left. You get that? <laughs> your heart has left has left long before by the thinking of your mind. So you 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 go back in your mind and you say, "Man, this is where I where man this is where I crashed and burned." That's not really where it happened. It happened back here. Because there was something, discouragement, disappointment, uh, something hurt, uh, abuse, something went on in your life that started you a negative type of thinking that was taking you away. And then finally, you just said, it don't matter. Here I go. Now, so it's not the decision of the moment, the moment of adultery by David or the moment he ordered the murder. No, it was not back when he stayed. No, okay. It was not the moment that he ordered, that he committed adultery. It was not the moment that he ordered the murder of Uriah the Hittite. It was when he, something brought him in his mind to the point of staying home when the scripture clearly says this is a time that kings go forth to battle. God makes it so clear, David didn't. He's the king, and God says he stayed home when it's time for kings to go forth to battle. So something kept him home. I have some philosophy about that, some beliefs about that, but but anyway, uh, we're not going to go into that now. Number three, if you're ever away from God, understand you need to come back to God for what you can do for God, not how God can benefit you. What took us away from God was, was we are self-absorbed. We just get focused on how life is treating us. We get focused on how life has disappointed us. We get focused on what we want. We get focused on we don't want to have rules. We get focused on something. It's all about how this affects me. So if we really want to come back to God, we got we to set self aside and say, God, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I do something for you? And when we take this out of our mind, how is this going to affect me and take it back to how will it affect everybody else? How will it affect Christianity? How will it affect my church? How will it affect my God? God, what can I do where you would say, I am glad to have you working with me? now the selfishness that took us away the how does god how does life benefit me attitude is never the answer the answer is how can i serve and demonstrate to god how much i love him for how he has loved me number four this is going to be like the quickest message ever it's really not but realize that pride is your worst enemy and that's a hard thing to do when you're away from god but, but again, our focus becomes more on ourselves. But realize pride is your worst enemy. Pride is the enemy that keeps many from, who have strayed from God and strayed from church from coming back. You see, if either Peter or David had allowed pride to enter in, history would be much different. You see, Peter was the one who said, I'll never deny Christ. Yet he he, he has to acknowledge his failure in the front of all of those he had boasted. You know, he he boasted, I'll never deny Christ. And then he was the one that said, I'm leaving. He denies Christ. He leaves and goes back. But he's surrounded by everybody else. They all know what he's done. Now it takes, he has to, you know, the old term, eat a lot of crow. Well, he was eating a lot of crow when he had to dive into the water. Because he's gone so far, he's not only uh, he's not only left God, left serving the Lord, left serve, doing everything God had called him to do. He's turned his back. Now he's, the Scripture says he's naked on the ship, and I don't think that's the normal way that men fish. I just that would just be a little weird. Uh, But he's naked on the ship, and he has to dive in. I mean, he has gone. He really has just turned his back on everything. So right now, to suddenly say, I've got to go back to Jesus, I can just see the other fellas saying, make up your mind, man. You're the one that told us all to come here. Now, he had to acknowledge his failure in front of those he had boasted. David was the king and had been confronted by Nathan, a prophet, and most likely in front of peers and leaders of the kingdom. And all this has taken place. He's, he's, he's being uh, just confronted, right, in, in the whole world. And he has to look at them and say in humility, which is our, really their next point, he has to, to in humility say, I've sinned. Anybody here, you think it'd be real comfortable if if somebody walked in the door and accused you right in front of everybody else here of some sin and you committed that sin? Do you think anybody, maybe there's a possibility that you might look at them and say, man, you're crazy. Because everybody here is hearing it. I mean, to me, this was a huge step for the king. For the king to say, "I've sinned," because this wasn't a little sin. This wasn't he hid around the back of the of the castle and smoked a cigarette. This wasn't that he he told a little half lie. It wasn't that he that he kept a little bit of the money that came in. This this. And I'm not saying those are little. I'm just saying this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about this man committed adultery and murder. And when it's confronted with that, his answer is, okay, I've sinned. I have. To me, that's amazing. James 4 Chapters uh James chapter four verse six through eight says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So the first thing we've got to understand, I mean, not first thing, but the, the thing we've got to understand, realize that pride is our worst enemy. We've got to just get rid of it. And how do we do that? Well, humility, that's how. Uh he he notices God resisteth the proud, but, but giveth grace unto the humble look at verse 7 it's it, it, well you're not there but chapter 4 verse 7 says submit yourselves therefore to God you know what we humble ourselves then we will submit to God humility is our most powerful resource to coming back to God just humble yourself it's going to come where if If ever folks and God, and I really and I hope this never happens to anybody in here but if ever you drift away from God and probably that's going to include drifting away from the church and drifting away from the people that that love you and you may have struggled and you may have fallen into sin can i can i just can I just beg you please if it ever does happen. We, me, I've got, we've got to humble ourselves and come back. And watch this, folks. Calvary Baptist Church, when they walk in the door, we've got to love them. And we've got to accept them. And we've got to believe in them. God looks at me and I've fallen and fallen. Just man falls seven times and rises up again. Well, God must let us rise up again. And he sees us in our sin, and he's willing to forgive us. And how many times? Seventy times seven. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And look, if God's willing, watch this now. Humble yourself. You acknowledge your sin. You face the sin. You 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 understand that your pride is is destroying you, and you humble yourself. And it says that God will lift you up. Wouldn't it be a shame if God's lifting them up and we're pushing them down? God's picking them up. We shouldn't be beating them down. And let me, let me tell you, when you want it to be this way, when it's you or one of your loved ones, that's when you're really going to want it to be that way. And we have such a tendency to, to not want to do that, have such a tendency to like, uh, you know, you went too far. And God says, they're coming back. So you know what I'm going to do? Come on up. And you know what he's saying? He will lift you up it's not like he'll lift you up no he'll lift you up he'll give you a hand up he'll reach down and pick you up wow i need to be down and reaching down and picking him up too if that's what god's gonna do i'd like to think i'm on god's side because watch this if i'm not helping to lift him up whose side am i on You may, <clears throat> okay, next, number six, don't play the blame game. If you stray away, please, okay, I just said, and I just got on to all of us, and I just said, we've got to do this when somebody struggles, somebody strays, if they humble themselves, they come back, they won't come back perfectly, they won't come back, they're going to, hey, watch this, they, they can be humbled in heart and want to get right and still not be totally right but let me help you, nobody in here is totally right, okay? And so we've we've got to be patient with it. Now, on the flip side of that, I beg you, here's the next thing, don't play the blame game. If you've drifted away, don't blame people for where you are and don't condemn people for how they treat you while you're away from God or even when you're attempting to come back. Stay away from that. Look, you say, they're not treating me right. Watch this. You're going to be gone again. I just told you, God will treat you right, and he's the only one that really matters. I don't care where you go or what group you get into or what church you get into, unless you're the only one there, I'm telling you, there's a good possibility you're going to find somebody that won't treat you right. But you're not coming back for them, you're coming back for God. Does this make sense? You may have been or may be mistreated by Christians while you're away from God, but always realize well, listen to this. This will help us. And I've had to go through this my own self, I've struggled, but always realize who you have mistreated. And realize that you're, that. Uh, Your ability to truly discern whether you're being mistreated or not has been affected by your spiritual condition. You see, because if we allow the blame game to come in, again, that's not from God. We allow it to come in our minds so we start looking to, you know, it's everybody else's fault and, man, they're attacking me and everything. We can't go there or we'll be back out the doors again. And that's exactly what Satan wants. And sometimes we have to just realize it's, we're not seeing it clearly through our, the eyes that we have. All right. God told David through the prophet Nathan, "Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord, to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. We must focus on our own actions and the consequences of our actions rather than trying to find someone to blame. We just need to realize, okay, look, no matter what people are saying, doing to me, I have to understand I may have affected others. I, I'm, what really needs to happen is always how can I make right relationships? Now, look. All you can do. If I go to Brother Felton, I say, Brother Felton, I failed. I messed up. I've sinned. Will you forgive me? Now I can't make him forgive me. Matter of fact, he wouldn't even reach out his hand then. (laughs) I can't make him forgive me. But I here's the truth. I can't get bitter if he doesn't. It's amazing how we will struggle with our Christianity. But then get upset at people who struggle with their Christianity. Can... Last one, I'm done. Repent. Without true repentance, you're re- you really have not come back to God at all. You may have come back to religion, you may have come back to renew relationships human relationships, but you've not come back to God. Until we come back to God on God's terms, we've really not come back to God. The scripture says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And I only put that in there because that's what really repentance is. It's godly sorrow. It's really truly saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong, and I'm sincerely sorry for what I've done. I'm coming back. I'm coming back on your terms. I'm coming back according to to your will and your way in my life. It's... I went through it very quickly. I have one more point. I'll give it to you. But number seven is this. God is not hiding from you. If, you've ever, if you ever get away from God, understand he's not hiding from you. The truth is he'll always be where you left him. And watch this. The this, this scripture says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The only distance between you and God is the distance that you've placed. For God never moves away from you. You only move away from him. And when he says, draw nigh to God, and I will draw nigh to you, you say, well, man, I mean, God must, watch this. When when that happens, whatever distance we put between us and God, He says, if I will turn to draw nigh to him, God is a lot faster than I am. He's going to cover a lot more distance than I am. He's got a lot longer step. So if I'll take a step toward God, my contention is he comes back that fast because he's got an unlimited step to draw nigh to me. He comes near to me instantly. Because he wanted to be there all along. So it goes back to Adam and Eve when God said, Adam, where are you? God was where he was supposed to be. He came and showed up. And watch this. I don't know if you realize this, but he knew they were in sin before he came there that morning. He already knew they were in sin, but he still showed up right where he always did. It wasn't that God didn't show. Adam didn't show. So just start back. You say, man, I don't know how. I don't know what to do. Just start back. Just come back. So you say, Brother Hooker, do you think somebody's away from God here? No, but I think this room is full of human beings, which means any of us is susceptible to, at any moment, taking a step away. What I did this for is so that if you ever start to take that step away and sense that you're leaving, recognize it, stop, and turn. Please. It's better to... There's nobody in here that you're never going to be tempted to take this step. There's nobody in here that... Truthfully, as weak as we are as flesh, you may even take this step. But please, stop and realize the direction you're going. God's more interested in the direction you're going than where you are. And I, I did this with the kids the other day, and I'll do it, and, I, and I'm stopped. I've already taken too much time. But All right, John and Chris, come here. You're my eternal examples. It's because everybody else sits towards the back. Um, So, point that way. Point this way. This is their spiritual life. Both of them are equal. They're at the same place spiritually. The problem is they're headed two different directions. And what God's really concerned about you say, well, man, I'm just as good as he is. No, which way are you going? God wants to know where you're going. And the truth is, God would rather have a fellow here who's not quite as spiritual as he is, who's going this way, rather than a fellow who's up here who's headed this way. So it makes sense. Again. All right. I have a word of prayer, and if this is just for the future. If, and you know your own heart. God will speak to your own heart. If you've kind of had some struggles, I'm just trying to maybe we could punch the reset button tonight and just say, you know what? We're going to get pointed back the right way. No blame, not looking for an excuse. I'm looking to be what God wants me to be, and I know that he will lift me up. I know that he will come to me, so come to him. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Father, I pray that you bless.